another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast uh, coming your way uh, on this Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Giving. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, um, and hope that uh, you got a nap in after you, all your eats, and you did so safely, and that uh, this country now can uh, move forward, uh, hopefully. Uh, so busy, busy, busy time as we have overlap of football and basketball uh, with Purdue. Uh, and we're going to recap it and look ahead uh, to to what happened uh, the last couple of days with basketball and look ahead to Saturday's game uh, with Rutgers. We're taping this on Friday, as we said. And, uh, and now let's get to it. Uh, basketball team opened up uh, down in Florida, uh, two-game tournament, uh, beat Liberty on Wednesday night, and then lost to Clemson on uh, Thursday night. Um, Two different games, two different opponents, uh, two different outcomes, two different styles, um, and that's that's what you want out of these preseason tournaments is to face different styles and different competition. You don't want to you don't want to see the same thing every night. That doesn't really prepare you for the Big Ten, and it doesn't prepare you for any postseason uh, tournament that you'll get. Uh, Liberty, you know, Purdue had yeah, Purdue had control of that game. Uh, for the most part, uh, and of course, uh, the story probably of the tournament is just how the newcomers played. In particular, the big guy, big freshman Zach Eady. Um, he's seven four. You can't um, you can't get around him. You can't <laughs> you can't block his shot unless he brings the ball down. Uh, he was just a dominating force. Liberty had nobody to match up with him, and you know they tried to play physical, but they just couldn't. They they just couldn't get him off the block. And once he gets in position down low, he's he's really hard to stop. And that was evident uh, on Wednesday night that Liberty didn't have really anybody to defend him. And what, what also helped Purdue that day is uh, they got off to such a, a good start uh, shooting threes. I think they hit eight of their first 10 or eight of their first 11. And uh, it tailed off uh, in the second half, but they had, they had a good balance of Perimeter scoring, they were getting scoring inside, which they were able to stretch uh, Liberty's defense to a point where they didn't they didn't know where to go. If you're going to help off um, on the perimeter inside, you're going to leave guys like Sasha Stefanovic and other other players open. Uh, but if you uh, try to defend the perimeter, you're going to leave yourself one on one with Zach Eady and Travion Williams, and um, it was just not a as the game played out, it was not a good situation uh, for Liberty because Purdue hit shots early. Um, and they were able to kind of control the game from there. And things got a little tight at the end, but uh, Stefanovic hit a three to extend the lead. And, you know, Purdue was uh, on its way. And uh, Purdue turned the ball over 16 times, uh, which was a prelude to what was going to come on Thursday. They turned it over 16 times against a team that really didn't pressure them a whole lot. So that was going to be a concern going into Thursday, and that concern ballooned, ballooned into a a full uh, fire, uh, a 10-alarm a fire for Purdue uh, because uh, they, did, they could not, they did not uh, handle Clemson's pressure. Now, uh, I, I think it's important to note, and you know this, that Purdue was already down Eric Hunter. Uh, he he didn't play in the tournament, and he's probably out. Probably uh, might be back. 
uh, at the start of Big Ten season, maybe earlier. Uh, Matt Painter has said uh, the six-week timetable, uh, he could come back sooner. You know, if it is six weeks, that's going to be around the start of the Big Ten season and the crossroads. If it's earlier than that, then you're, you're moving it up a week a little bit. But he is progressing well. So they didn't have Eric Hunter, which he is going to be their their number one ball handler. Uh, he's going to be their point guard, but he's also going to defend. Um, he's also going to defend the other team's uh, point guard or one of their top guards. So you lost that aspect uh, when you're playing Clemson. Uh, then the other thing is that Jade Nivey, a freshman who who played well in the opener on Wednesday, uh, showed his ability to attack the basket uh, off the dribble. Um, gave Purdue an element uh, it didn't have last year. Uh, and it would have, obviously he would have helped uh, in, in some capacity on, on Thursday, but you don't know if he would have fallen into the same uh, same situation as the other guards did as far as trying to handle the ball uh, and have unforced turnovers. Uh, but the bottom line is Purdue didn't have any other options other than Isaiah Thompson, um, who's a sophomore and has experience, and Ethan Morton, who's coming off mono, uh, and stretched they stretched his minutes out to 25. Uh, that's probably too much for him coming off his situation, uh, but he he handled it and did the best he could. But the turnovers were everywhere. Everybody on the everybody on the team had a turnover, at least one, and you had you know Thompson ended up with five, and um, uh, even Zach Eady had four. Which you know he faced some adversity. Uh, he faced adversity he didn't face on on Wednesday night, so it was good for him to kind of play through that and still score, still be effective offensively. But um, you know it's a good learning experience for him. But the bottom line from the game, and you know, it's not it's not an excuse; it's a reality. Purdue didn't have uh, probably two of its better players, but Matt Painter's like they still have a roster. Uh, Purdue still has a roster that can compete at a high level without those two guys, um, but Purdue didn't didn't do that really. Um, you know, they just they wilted under the pressure, um, and not having those guys, you know, did play a role. It was it did ha- did have an effect on the game, um, but they just they didn't handle it well, and it wasn't just the guards; it was everybody. Uh, they didn't handle it well, and the end result was twenty two turnovers, uh, extremely high number. Yeah, but Purdue did have a stretch there in the second half when they were down 13 in the first half. Started the second half, um, got on an 18 to uh, 10 run. They tied it up, uh, but during that stretch, they had seven straight field goals and didn't turn the ball over. Then once they started turning the ball over again, Clemson got out to a, a double-digit lead, and the game w- was basically over. Um, so Purdue had a chance. Um, there's there's too much veteran experience on this team I think for Purdue just to crawl up curl up and and go in the corner when they get down by 13 points or get down by double digits uh, and I think the makeup of the of the freshmen uh, of the new players not only the the true freshmen but the the redshirt freshman Brandon Newman and Mason Gillis uh, they have an attitude of no they're gonna fight they're gonna fight they're gonna fight I think you saw some of that uh, Thursday night but it's they kept fighting, but they kept turning the ball over, and that was that was a problem. Uh, and they didn't get to the free throw line in the second half after they had shot well from the free throw line in the first half. You know that's where some of their offense came from. Uh, 
So, and you know, you credit Clemson. They, they, they came out with a good game plan uh, and got after Purdue. Uh, they were more physical on the perimeter with them um, and pushed them around uh, at, in all spots, uh, similar to what a Big Ten team is going, going to do uh, to Purdue once that, once that season starts. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's a good learning experience. But I think, you know, I think you should walk away from this tournament with the idea that, first of all, you didn't have two of your better guards, two of your better players, Players number one. Number two is that there, there's a lot of promise there with the young guys. You know, they have five scholarship players who made their debut, um, all contributed in some fashion, all made a case that uh, they should be playing and they will play, you know, some more than others. Uh, obviously, Zach Eady is going to play. He's going to be Travion Williams' backup, um, and he's going to continue to get the minutes as long as he can handle those and stay out of foul trouble. Um, Brandon Newman, I thought, really played well uh, for the two games. Uh, he's a guy, um, you know, he's one. Of the, I, I think he's one of those guys that's gonna, just going to keep fighting and keep playing and keep going in, until it's over. And I think he's got he's got that uh, kind of uh, trait about him that um, that warrants that he's on the floor. And you could you know the fact that he started the two games I think tells you what Matt Painter thinks about him, what he's done in practice, and the maybe the intangible element of uh, uh, of his uh, of his approach maybe pushed him over the edge and got him into the starting lineup. The kid is. Super talented as well. He can hit threes. He can get to the basket. Um, I, I thought Purdue maybe should have tried more of try to get to the basket against Clemson and get that get that uh, tight defense uh, off of them. Uh, but when they did, they, they 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 turned it over and it was not consistent enough. And you know, I I thought early on, you know, Purdue maybe could have done that more because they were getting fouls called on Clemson and. You know, somehow when you know sometimes when your offense is not going very well, you know, just getting the free throw line can help kind of settle things down, get you some points, get you back in the game. And I thought Purdue did that in the first half by getting to the free throw line, but they did not sustain that uh, in the second half. But you know, you, you've got you know Jade Nivey played well on Wednesday. Uh, you just hope the, the foot injury isn't a long term situation. And Matt Painter said after the game, it's something that has been nagging him. Uh, for a while, so I, I don't think it's anything he injured in the game on Wednesday, uh, but uh, it's something that you know obviously will you know they have to monitor because Purdue's got a game on Tuesday, then again on Friday. Uh, so you want to get him um, into the rotation, get him playing, get him used to it, uh, because I, I, he's a he's a player that's really going to help uh, Purdue because he can do he can do some things that other players can't, and that's. I think that will be the one of the strengths of this team is they have they're going to have the ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket, um, and they're going to have some guys once they get healthy, once they get back, that I I think are going to defend better than what they did uh, on Thursday night, and that's going to with Hunter and and Ivy as well. Um, you know the other newcomers, uh, Mason Gillis, you know couldn't get his shot to go down consistently. Uh, you know the four position probably still remains a bit of a uh, a concern. Um, you know, and Matt Painter pointed this out the other night, and 
you know, I think everybody has done it ever since they've they've played multiple big men uh, over the years is you look at the production from the position as opposed to just one individual player. Like in Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, you look at the production they got from those two in the two games or just in the in, in a one game. You know, when you're looking at 40 minutes between the two guys, it's uh, it's 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 you know it's pretty good. It was pretty good, and I think the same thing. I think you have to look at the same thing at the four position as well between Mason Gillis and, and Aaron Wheeler. Um, and you know they're not off to a great start. Aaron Wheeler's rebounding the ball similar to what he did last year, which is a positive. Um, and he did hit five of ten shots in the uh, in the two games, a couple three pointers. You know, Gillis was uh, two of six from the field and two of five from th- uh, from from three. So combined, they were four of ten uh, from three point range, which forty percent is 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 a good position, uh, good percentage. Um, and then they combined for for fifteen rebounds. But you didn't really, in my opinion, you didn't really notice them a whole lot on the offensive end, uh, in part because of what Zach Eady was doing, in part because of what Brandon Newman was doing in part because of what Jade Nivey was doing Wednesday night. Uh, but, you know, those two guys, I think, are, you know, I, that's a that's a position to watch uh, for Purdue. You know, I think it's pretty clear you're going to get good production out of the out of the center spot between Edie and Williams, uh, and you're going to get a combination of uh, contributions on the perimeter, depending on, you know, who's playing the point and who's playing the two. Uh, but the four position is going to be, I think an area really to keep an eye on um, over over time. I don't think it's anything that's going to happen quickly, but I think over time, I I, I think uh, you know that position is going to have to grow and develop. I think for Purdue to to really take some uh, some steps forward this year. And the other thing Purdue's going to need right now uh, is a more consistent Travion Williams. And there's a lot of talk uh, in the off season. And leading up to the the season opener, about you know, him being the centerpiece of the offense, and he should be. Uh, but you know, he he was seven of eighteen in the two games, and he's not taking three pointers. So you know, he knows he's got to he's got to finish around the basket, and not every shot goes in. Uh, you know, Zach Eady proved that he was nine to ten the first night, and and his percentage dropped to eighty three point three for after the two games. So he, I guess, technically he's he's in a slump. Is that would that be correct? Uh, but you know, I think Travion will, uh, will get it going, but they need they need him to score down low. Uh, they they do need him to score down low. He, he battled some foul problems uh, on Thursday. Um, actually, in the two games, he picked up nine fouls. Um, you know, Zach picked up six, uh, so fifteen fouls out of out of twenty possibilities. I mean, they're going to have to use them up, uh, but they they're, they're going to need low post scoring. Uh, from Williams, there was a stretch there, and it didn't end up uh, playing a role in the game. But there was a stretch there early in the second half. You know, Purdue had kind of climbed back into the game, and uh, I think it was uh, 30, 36 31 early in the second half. And Trevion had a had a wide had an open look. I don't say wide open look, but had an open look right around the basket, and the ball didn't go in. And then Clemson came down, and hit a three. So instead of being within 36-33, Purdue is now down 39-31. to And, you know, that, that swing of points um, can be 
huge depending on the timing of the game. Now, Purdue did come back. Uh, and, you know, and after that play, Purdue went on to turn the ball over like three straight possessions. And you, you just you had the feeling that, okay, this is probably the beginning of the end that, you know, Clemson's going to take control of this and run away. But to Purdue's credit, they came back at seven straight shots, got it tied a couple times, but then just could not uh, finish the deal. But when you have swings like that in a game where you miss a, a layup that should be that should go through the basket, and then the other team it c- comes down and scores. Those those sequences can be devastating. Um, and again, it's it's not the reason why Purdue lost Thursday night, but you know Travion needs to be more consistent in finishing, um, finishing strong, and also you know playing better uh, defensively because um, you know teams are just going to attack Williams and Edie. And, 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 you know, Zach is tall and he can block shots, but he's going to get called for fouls just because he's big. And, um, and that's going to frustrate fans, but that's just, that's what's going to happen because big guys get called for fouls because they're big. But, um, I mean, you had to be impressed with, with, with Zach and, uh, you know, we had a chance to watch one scrimmage back in early November and, you know, the, the big kid moves really well. You know he's not going to beat anybody in a in a hundred yard dash, but you know from block to block he moves well, and when he gets position he's tough to get around. He normally keeps the ball high. He had a couple times Thursday where he brought the ball down and it got taken away. Uh, you know, and those are things that he'll learn with or learn learn as as he goes. And you know that one disappointing thing about no fans in the stands is that this guy would be. This guy would be a cult hero in Mackey Arena. I mean, he really would. Um, I, I think the fans and the student body would just adore him and make him make the, make him the centerpiece of their of their energy. Um, and that's unfortunate that uh, fans won't get to see him up close, and uh, and the team won't be able to feed off that energy this year because of no fans in the in the stands. Uh, due to COVID, but, you know, Edie is a guy that I think would, would really embrace that. You know, I think the, the student body would really embrace him. Um, and it just would create even more energy, uh, in Mackey arena. As we said, Purdue will play again on Tuesday against Oakland. It's an early tip off time of three o'clock. Uh, it's going to be on BTN. Uh, so an odd starting time, but what would you rather have? Have a game on at 7 and have it streamed or have it on at 3 and have it on TV. But I can tell you the Big Ten would rather have them on TV because you get a little bit more money that way. But, uh, you know, I think Purdue's not going to hit a stretch where they get Oakland and uh, Valparaiso uh, before they go to the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They should be able to straighten out some things. Ethan Morton will, will just get better and better because he's going to be in better shape. Um, you know, he still had uh, seven assists uh, in, in the two games. Uh, you know, he played an average of 17 and a half minutes. Uh, I, I, you know, he, he's going to get playing time. He's going to play, but it's going to still take him a while to get to really get back to back in shape before Mono hit him. So, you know, Purdue's got some growing pains ahead of it. Uh, but, I, you know, I do think this week is manageable for him from a schedule standpoint chance to get uh you know healthy from a 
you know, potential win standpoint, but also get some guys uh, some confidence and uh, get them set up uh, going into the Big Ten ACC Challenge and then obviously going in uh, to the Big Ten. Shifting uh, topics to football, Purdue will be uh, playing Rutgers on Saturday at ross Stadium. First trip to ross for Rutgers. You know, the you know, it's, they've been playing a long time at Rutgers, and this is their first trip uh, to West Lafayette to play. Greg Schiano's their coach. Uh, you can tell that this team is taking on his personality, and uh, they're going to be physical. Uh, they're going to get up on the wide receivers, similar to what Northwestern did. Um, and, you know, Purdue's going to have to handle it. You know, they didn't handle it that well against Northwestern. But you're going to have a different quarterback. And you would think uh, that uh, Purdue's going to be better for that experience. But, you know, we'll we'll wait and see on that. You know, this is a big game. They're all big because they're only playing eight or nine. But it's a big game in terms of, um, you can't let this slide continue. Um, you know, it's already an odd year. It's a strange year. You want to make something out of the year. Uh, and who knows if there's a bowl game, uh, depending, you know, no matter what your record is, there was the, the pinstripe bowl, you know, canceled, uh, on, on Friday, which is a big 10 tie in. You don't know how many of those other, uh, non playoff bowls, non New York, New York six bowls are going to be played there. There might not be any, there might not be any opportunity after, the final crossover game on December 18th or 19th to play another football game. So, you, you know, you, you really, you're in a position now where you got to take advantage of it. You get Rutgers at home um, and, you know, Purdue, you know, Purdue, this is a game Purdue must win if you really want to finish this season strong. Um, I, I don't know, you know, if Purdue loses this game. I don't know if they can win, if they can win out. I don't know if they can beat Nebraska. Uh, you know, one would think they, they would. But, you know, you got a hard time beating Indiana regardless of what happens Saturday. So, you know, you, you started 2-0. and You're 2-2. and You got three games, four games left. And you, you want to, you know, you just want to get off to a good start in this game because Purdue has allowed an opening drive touchdown the last two weeks, and it's put them in a hole. Purdue has not led in a game since Halloween, October 31st. They also haven't sacked the quarterback since October 31st. So there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of trends they need to break in this game uh, to, to, to come, to try to come out on top. So, you know, they've fallen behind early the last two games. They just have not recovered. Um, uh, despite some, some good offensive play, despite the, the fact that Rondo Moore is back, uh, the defense has, has taken a slide since uh, the first, you know, game and a half or game and three quarters. Um, and, and in part because I think they've played better quarterbacks uh, the last two weeks with Peyton Ramsey at Northwestern and Tanner Morgan uh, at Minnesota. Now they'll face uh, an experienced quarterback, maybe not at Rutgers, but an experienced quarterback uh, with uh, Noah Verdell. Uh, he's a transfer for Nebraska who actually transferred from Central Florida, which was Scott Frost's school, to Nebraska and then transferred from Nebraska to Rutgers. Uh, but here's a, here's a guy that can throw it. He can throw it around. He will throw it around. He'll use his legs, uh, and you know Purdue's got to be aware of that. Uh, but they got to figure out a way to to get some more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, it, to me, it just looks like they are rushing three and hoping their secondary can cover. Uh, and that's not 
I, I don't believe that's really working right now. I, I think quarterbacks, Purdue quarterback, I'd be interested to know how much time Peyton Ramsey and Tanner Morgan has ha- have had in the pocket the last two games to complete passes. You know, I can remember two, three, four plays where Ramsey had all day to uh, to find receivers. You know, and Morgan kept plays alive with his feet um, and, and pushed the ball downfield. Uh, so Purdue's got to figure out a way, and they'll have to do it without George Karloftis, who, as you know, is is out 21 days, it, or he'll be out at least through uh, after the IU game. Uh, I think his uh, uh, quarantine isolation time will be up um, maybe on the Tuesday of the crossover game. So, But he's going to miss Saturday's game. He's going to miss Nebraska. He's going to miss IU. Um, the question will be when he comes back, What's his conditioning level? Can he can he play without injuring himself? Um, and he would be he would be available to play for the crossover game. Um, so you know Purdue's going to have you know, not going to have one of their better defensive players. Still don't know about Demarcus Mitchell, uh, who, who who I think is a guy that could replace George on the defensive line, but they like him more at linebacker. So he didn't practice much this week. Anthony Watts didn't practice much this week. Um, so Purdue's, you know, Purdue's got some, some injuries to deal with and their depth, their depth is going to be tested. Jack Sullivan will, will play in, uh, George's place. Uh, but, uh, you know, Sullivan's just not at George's level, but I mean, Purdue doesn't have anybody else at George's level, uh, that can, can hold the edge, but also, you know, get after the quarterback and that, I mean, Purdue, Purdue needs to cause some disruptions, uh, in the backfield. Uh, Rutgers doesn't, you know, they have a, they don't have a great running game even though they've been over 100 yards in, in every game uh, this year. Uh, but they're going to be sneaky good, and they're getting production from there, and that's that's something that Purdue's going to have to to really bottle up. Um, and, you know, they just, they're, they're taking on the attitude of their coach. They're taking on the presence of their coach. They're going to be physical. They're going to they're gonna hit, um, and they're going to hit again. They're just going to keep coming after you. And – you know they have they only have one win this year. Um, they beat Michigan State in the opener, but you know they lost in triple overtime to Michigan. And granted, Michigan's not great, but still lost in triple overtime to Michigan. They did lose to Illinois. Um, you know Purdue did beat Illinois. As they say, be careful comparing scores. So they've they've been in virtually every game. They, to me, when you look at their their numbers. You know they they were they benefited from seven turnovers against Michigan State. They got a lot of short fields. Uh, they were able to put up a lot of points early and kind of take control of that game. I, I in that game I don't believe they got 300 yards total offense based on field position. But Michigan State turned it over seven times. Now since then, uh, opponents have only turned it over three times in four games, and they haven't and they're and they're winless. So Purdue has has to protect the ball. They can't give away possessions uh, like Michigan State did, or they will find themselves in big trouble uh, against this team. Um, and while on paper it doesn't, they don't look great. Uh, they're good enough to beat Purdue, and, and Purdue's good enough to beat them. And offensively for Purdue, you know, you, you still got to still got to find a running game. You know, they had they had more balance last week uh, against. Uh, um, you know, against Minnesota, uh, and they got over a hundred yards rushing and, you know, Jack Plummer, uh, one of his strengths is getting outside the pocket using his legs. Uh, so he's, uh, 
you know, if he continued to do that and Xander Horvath uh, continues to run the way that he does, I think, you know, King DeRue is probably going to get more involved in the running game. The offensive line has held up well, no sacks last week, uh, which is a positive. Purdue still needed to get the running game, but uh, as we all know, their their number one thing is throwing the ball, and they're going to throw the ball to David Bell, and they're going to throw the ball to Rondell Moore. Uh, I do think they need to spread it around a little bit more. Uh, I think the tight ends can can be more involved, uh, but the main targets are going to go to Bell and Moore, and, that, and that's no surprise. Um, but, you know, I thought you saw at the end of last week's game, uh, Brom and Plummer willing to go to the tight end. And I, and I know they had the call at the end and all that, but um, but I, I would look for the tight end still to be actively involved. Uh, as everybody's paying attention to Bell and Moore, you can maybe sneak, sneak some tight end plays out there and, uh, and keep, keep things, uh, keep things as honest, uh, as possible. You know, Purdue's played close games, um, all year. I think total of 21 points, uh, is the deciding factor in all their games. Total of 21 points. I think the next big 10 team is around 50. So, you know, they, the, the, you know, they win by four, they win by seven, um, they lose by seven, they lose by three. So, uh, I still think this is going to be a close game. I think it'll, the difference will be single digits either way. Uh, so, you know, Purdue's going to have to be, uh, ready, ready to go. Um, you know, to me, the, the keys are, can the defense get off the field early, get off on third down? But keep keep Rutgers out of the end zone on the first possession. I think that would be the the first step. And then offensively, how does Purdue move the ball? Does Plummer still have the accuracy that he had last week when he was pretty close to perfect? I think twenty three of twenty five uh, to start the game through three quarters. Um, he was seven and seven in the third quarter. He was nine and nine overall on third down. Um, he just had a, he had an excellent day throwing the ball. And when you have Bell and Moore, you're going to have some excellent days, but he also had time and, you know, his accuracy was, was spot on pretty good for a guy that hadn't played in over a year. Um, so, uh, but he, you know, does his accuracy continue, but he'll face a different defense. that's going to play tighter coverage. Uh, and then, you know, how does JD Dellinger respond after missing two field goals? Uh, against Minnesota in a three-point game. Those were big. Uh, J.D. went to Twitter to apologize. I don't think he needed to do that, but he did. Uh, but, you know, he's a stand-up guy. And, uh, you know, maybe it, maybe it comes down to him on Saturday and he gets a chance to, to redeem himself. And I'm sure he'd be looking looking forward to that. Uh, he's put in a lot, a lot of time in his career. He, here's a guy that couldn't really reach the end zone a whole lot early in his career to get touchbacks. And now... He's, uh, he, you know, usually every time he kicks off, if there's not a lot of wind in his face, he's gonna he's gonna put the ball in the end zone for a touchback. And I, you know, you see his physical development over the over the years. Um, and now, you know, I just think he needs to go out and hit a field goal to help his uh, help the mental side of things kind of get get past uh, uh, last week. So. Um, the other thing to watch for is, you know, will they put Rondell out there in the return game? I, I think they need an explosive play in the return game. Uh, their return game with punts and kickoffs are just kind of blah right now. Um, and granted, you don't get a lot of kickoff returns based on the new rules, but 
Um, you know, it's, it seems like Purdue needs to make a play in that area. I know they put Marcellus Moore out there last week, and he kind of juggled and bubbled the, the kickoff, so he didn't get another shot. Uh, then Purdue started fair catching inside uh, the 10-yard line, so they would get the ball out, you know, out further uh, and not risk uh, any kind of uh, fumble or bad play. Um, but you know, Brom wouldn't say if they were if they were going to use Rondell in the return game or not, and nor should he right now. But I, you know, I think that's an area that can that can definitely lift Purdue, give them better field position or or score. Um, to to kind of give them a spark, uh, and that's been missing. Uh, that's been missing uh, most of the year. All right. Well, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we'll have more after the game on Saturday. Uh, we'll come back with a post game uh, wrap up uh, about what we saw, what we think, what we know, what we don't know, and what it means moving uh, forward into the next uh, game against Nebraska. Should know the time uh, of that game. On December 5th, sometime midday Sunday. Uh, it's usually when the Big Ten announces those those games. Uh, we do know it's on BTN. Just don't know what time. I, I would guess, and this is a guess, probably around, I would think noon would be the kickoff. It's either going to be noon or night because I believe BTN has a, has a 3.30 game um, on Saturday already scheduled. And then they've got some basketball to work around as well, um, but I would I would guess I mean there's no reason to play that game at night, is there? Really in December? Show of hands that would like to see that. I mean I know you have to, you don't have to sit out in it, but still I, I don't I don't see a need for that. I mean the game doesn't. I mean it's not going to decide the conference championship. It's not decide the division championship. It's not going to decide uh, much other than standings. And then when you you know you start looking. Um, you start looking deeper um, into p- potential crossover opponents for Purdue on that last weekend. I mean, you know you're not going to play Ohio State. And by the way, today it was announced that Ryan Day has tested positive for COVID and he will not coach Saturday against uh, Illinois or at Illinois. Um, but anyway, you know you're not going to play Ohio State. You're probably not going to play Indiana again because I think Indiana is probably destined to to finish second in that in that conference, and I, I don't I don't know if Purdue can can get that high. They'd have to win out and uh, get some help along the way. Um, so I, I don't think Purdue's going to finish, you know, second. You know, I think Purdue's best finish is probably going to be third. Um, their worst finish will probably be sixth. So you're looking three, four, five, six, and then when you start looking at across the way at the other divisions. Who's going to finish three, four, five, six? You know, it's a combination of Michigan uh, and Maryland. You know, maybe Michigan State, maybe Michigan State, maybe maybe Rutgers would be involved in that uh, as well. You know, Penn State probably is destined for seventh as of right now. Um, so uh, Purdue could get Michigan uh, in that crossover game. And I know Michigan hasn't had a great year, but still very, very talented. You know, Maryland, um, curious uh, curious about the Maryland-IU game on Saturday. Maryland's been off a couple weeks because of COVID, uh, and they were playing really well offensively when they had to shut it down. Can they regain some of that? And can they put up some points against IU? Uh, to me, that's a fascinating game of this weekend. 
to see what uh, see what happens there. You know, because Maryland did have it going there. They really did after a really bad start against Northwestern. Uh, they really had it going. And we'll see if they can keep it going. I think Indiana's got a really tough stretch to finish this thing off because uh, they have Maryland and then Wisconsin and then Purdue. Uh, you know, Wisconsin game will be will be extremely difficult for, for IU. Uh, and then, you know, the bucket game is always always a tough game. But, you know, IU needs to not let that Ohio State loss linger or they could – they could they could see themselves slipping down in the standings. I think they're in position to finish off what would be a really great year for them uh, and finish second in the East um, and get a really really good bowl berth, assuming the bowls are played. Uh, but anyway, I, I you know I think Purdue's crossover opponent is going to come from those teams. You know Maryland, Michigan, maybe Michigan State. You know Rutgers could could sneak in there. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, again, I don't think it'll be Penn State. don't think it'll be Ohio State. I don't think Purdue and Indiana will play on back-to-back weeks unless Purdue gets really hot here at the end and, uh, you know, Wisconsin takes a bit of a of a dive um, to, to, to relinquish the, the number two spot. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it will be uh, the other interesting part of the crossover. It's like, where are these games going to be played? You know, it's probably going to be a mix of domes and campus sites. Um, you know, how much money does the Big Ten want to spend on on playing domes for sixth place teams, seventh place teams? Uh, you, you have it. You have the the you have Lucas Oil for two two days, and I'd be in favor of using that venue for two games on Friday. Um, maybe a game Saturday morning, afternoon type thing. Uh, so you can get four of the seven games in in one location. Uh, do you really want to spend money for Illinois and Penn State to play in the seventh, you know, seventh place? I don't think so. And the whole idea, well, you know, you can't play outside. Well, you just did the week before. So what's the difference? Just go play outside. Just go play Wherever now, how do they determine who goes where? I I, I have no idea how they'll determine to ter- determine that. But yeah, just go play outside, and if they want to play the ch- championship game in the dome down in Indy, then play it, and they can play the six other games on, on home on home home fields. Excuse me, uh, because you just played outside the week before. There's not much that's going to change in the weather. Yeah, it might get colder. It might snow. It might rain. It might get warmer. You don't know. So just go ahead and play outside. Save some money. Um, because, you know, the Big Ten spending money it doesn't have yet. Just so two mid-level Big Ten teams can go play in the conference of an indoor stadium. I would try to squeeze games in, in Lucas Oil if I could. You know, I think the maximum you can play over two days would be four. And that would leave three other games that you'd have to find homes for. But I, I wouldn't push it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out renting any other domes. I just, you know, if you want to double up and play, I don't know who. What, what's a warm weather spot in the Big Ten? There is none. Or if you could rent the, there's a dome in Iowa. One of the schools has a dome in Iowa. If you want to rent that one. And play two games there. Go right ahead. Uh, 
Um, but I just don't see the need to go renting the Vikings stadium or the uh, where the Lions play or even St. Louis, even though there's really nothing going on at St. Louis at the at their dome since the Rams left. But it's either that or play at home. Just play at home stadiums, get it over with, be done. Alrighty, I'm off my off my rant for this for this Friday. Appreciate you stopping by, and we'll be back after the game on Saturday to wrap up uh, what happens at Ross Aid Stadium, and then basketball back in action on uh, on Tuesday against Oakland in a fanless Mackey Arena. That will be that will be strange. That will be strange to be at, but these are the times that we live in right now. Anyway, have a good day. Have a good weekend. And we'll, we'll talk to you after Purdue uh, and Rutgers square off on Saturday.